0: Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. In a tower by the river, there lived a man. There was a man who took a stand. With pen and paper in his hand. Defeating foes in every ward with a pen more mighty than the sword. No escape from his ink lasso. In a tower by the river. Castle. Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the shit back. Castle.
1: Castle. It's the end of the year, and all the wheels are falling off Mayor Johnson's bus. And to discuss that and the nature of the stories that we'll be interested in as the West is under attack, as Trump runs for re-election, and as uh, the media seems to try to protect Mayor Johnson, we have with us Charles Lipson. Professor Emeritus, Ritzma, professor at the University of Chicago, our friend, who wrote an excellent piece, The Chicago Mayor's Hat Trick of Dreadful Policies. And I would suggest it's a hat trick for three heads because he's become something of the three-headed monster.
0: (laughs) You know what strikes me, John?
1: Yes, Charles.
0: Is is that I've talked to uh, a number of people who you know, friends who are, I would say, moderate progressives or, you know, further left than that, who supported Johnson, and almost all of them have gotten off that bus. They think he's uh, a failure. And that's not because he uh, has uh, changed from his leftist attitudes. It's because, in their opinion, he can't administer. He, he was elected in part because, for two reasons. One, he, he had the total backing of the Chicago Teachers Union, probably the most powerful teachers union in uh, the country and uh, a local union, and the most powerful union of any kind in the state of Illinois. And they just went all out for him. And the second reason was he, he had really lousy opponents. People didn't want Lori Lightfoot, and Paul Vallis had a great resume in a whole series of jobs he had failed in.
1: Well, he so, wasn't. He wasn't black, and what? Well, that helped too. What Charles? What, what he? What he ran on? Uh, Mayor yep. Johnson was. I'm black, and the other guy isn't, and that's where we are in Chicago now. You listed three policies that stand out for particular ridicule, Professor Lipson, and here they are. <laughs> here they are, and I know something about the first one. Start. City-owned and operated groceries in some underserved underserved (laughs) areas, because that's what we needed. What could possibly go wrong? Right. Two, ticket the buses bringing illegal immigrants to Chicago, mostly from Texas. He calls them rogue buses because they're not coordinating with the city. And three, close down all the selective enrollment magnet schools in Chicago, the only ones where students actually read above grade level. If we judge by the likely outcome, Johnson's policy is really designed to drive middle-class families with kids out of the city. How's he doing on that one, guys? I think Charles, Charles Lipson might say he's driven whoever remains of the middle class out of the city.
0: Well, we do have a a middle class, but we have a lot of uh, what used to be called yuppies without children. People who do have children either want to be in a neighborhood where there are similarly educated people and where the children will enter school with a lot of preparation. That is, their parents read, they talk in articulate ways, uh, they read to them at night, they challenge them intellectually, but I would just say... Uh, Let's start with um, a a basic concept, which is it's very difficult for cities to implement redistribution policies, which are the essence of both socialist uh, policies and more uh, leftist policies. And the reason it's hard to do that is that the more you put the tax burden on middle-class families to pay for the poor, the more you drive out the middle class and attract more people who need services, and cities can't pay for that. And that's exactly what's happened. And you see that also at the state level. People, The, the three states that have lost the most population are New York, Illinois and California, and the states that are gaining are Florida, Tennessee, and uh, Texas. All three of which uh, I'm not sure about Florida, but I think it's true that it's certainly true of Texas and Tennessee. They don't have any state income tax at all. Yeah. In in uh, California, you can pay up to thirteen percent.
2: Yeah, it's it's crazy, Charles. I, I mean, this is a guy who tries to who's these people just don't. Th- don't see what they're doing. And We they keep touting, oh, there's some sort of growth number, like eighty thousand people or whatever it was. Chicago built in or grew over the past ten years, and they never take into account anything of that statistic other than the fact that look, there's eighty thousand more people than there was ten years ago. It's like, well, you're losing people. You know, people are dying, people are moving, and people are being born, and you're not accounting for that, and it drives me nuts, Charles. And you're right, this guy is, is done really nothing. I mean, he's he's he keeps touting things. Like putting forth "quote unquote" policies, but they don't do anything. They haven't addressed anything. They haven't really had any teeth. Yeah. And meanwhile, you know, he's had to have his most powerful floor uh, ally step down from their position because they were physically restraining. from doing their job i mean this is i have not seen city hall this chaotic in my lifetime and granted i wasn't around oh
0: you weren't there for you weren't there for council right i mean i Um, was there
2: right you you were there john and
0: and now one of the key figures in all of that has just been convicted on every law under the sun (laughs) he'll uh, he'll have to wear those gorgeous suits to prison
2: the rico buses john said rolled up on them <laughs> oh,
0: God! anyway uh they let let's start with the supermarkets i called them castro marts yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what could possibly go wrong with that right. uh, and and the way i started thinking about it uh, there are basically two problems here one This is a city that can't fix potholes. Really, it can't police the streets. It can't do the basic things Mm -hmm. you expect of a government. And running a supermarket is really hard. Um, If you don't get um, bananas quickly on uh, the shelf, those bananas spoil. The same is true for tomatoes. If you don't sell your... a steak or chicken quickly it spoils, it rots, and so you have to have a very efficient system. Uh, the idea, the word efficiency, in Chicago City Worker has oh. never been used in the same sentence. Right. Uh, so that's
1: only that. when it's only when it's time. For them to squeeze you as a business. There you
0: go. I wish. I mean, if I, I wish that there was just a very simple statistic that said how much does it cost to to fill a pothole in city in different cities around the country? Because I think what you would find is that it's very expensive to fill a pothole in Chicago, and frankly, when you drive, it's um, when you drive around um, um, a lot of other cities, it would cost less to fill them, and they build highways better. But the second problem uh, is um, that Brandon Johnson and his ilk never looked at why the supermarkets were closing in these areas, yeah. and um, it's and everybody would say, "Well, well they're poor." But they've always been poor, or they've been poor for many years. So why now uh, have the Walmarts moved out and have the uh they Because they can't throats?
1: do business.
0: That's correct. And why can't they? Well, if you have mass looting,
1: right. if
0: you have to put everything in a pharmacy behind uh, locked plexiglass doors where you need an additional worker to come and unlock the door when people can come in with big bags and just steal everything that's mm-hmm. on an open shelf and then you have uh, police who are, who can't do anything about it because they know if they do those people would just be released uh, by the state's attorney who won't prosecute
2: <laughs> Grant, I'll be back to do it again
0: Yeah. Why not? I mean, uh, you know, why am I the only why are the three (laughs) of us the only people who are actually paying for this stuff when we go into a supermarket? Why don't we just put it in a backpack and walk out? So the fact is we don't and we don't in our neighborhoods, but in other neighborhoods where uh, where you need police to prevent it, it's expensive uh, if the city doesn't do it, you have to hire your own people to right. do it. That drives up the price. I mean, it, it's just a, it's a vicious uh, cycle. It's, you're offering and,
1: something and, called common sense here. <laughs> yeah. Right? But I is, don't know if, I don't know if common sense is washed out by uh slogan, like Marxist <laughs> Marxist slogans can wash out the common sense. Can Well,
0: it look, I mean, it, it's just a terrible uh, thing. I, I, he, Johnson is right to identify the fact that they are food deserts. Sure. And he's right to identify that in some neighborhoods, and I've seen it, uh, what used to be kind of middle class black neighborhoods uh, and local groceries in those areas, um, uh, often run by immigrant families and so forth. It's just dangerous. You know, those people have to take precautions. They're behind. Glass things, they can't, uh, and and mostly uh, they don't they don't sell perishable products. They sell candy bars right. at high margins. So it, it, it's a it's a sad no produce, situation,
1: right? Huh? No produce, no meat. Right. Yeah,
0: it, it's a sad it's a sad situation, but and uh, but you you don't address it like this. Uh, and I said, you know, let Kamala Harris look for the root causes and go to central America. <laughs> Speaking of which, by the way, I want to change subjects just slightly. Please do. Um, I was, uh, in a local Hyde park, Chicago, uh, shopping center, um, yesterday. And, um, and I had noticed something similar downtown. This was a nice Shopping center, Trader Joe's, and some restaurants, oh, yeah. things like that and there were uh there were a whole series of Hispanic beggars. I had never seen that uh in Chicago until the last few months, and I went up and asked them uh i, I by the way, I feel very sympathetic uh to people who are standing out in the cold and begging because they have no no money. So it's not a matter of me personally looking down on people who do that. I do have trouble with the people who are there, that, that we all know them, who are there every day and have been for the last 10 years. Uh, but these are I went up. Uh, my wife and I were together, and we went up and talked with with some of them. I said, "Where are you from?" And in broken English, they all said they were from Venezuela. And uh, I, I've seen the same thing downtown. And I can tell you how how I know that this was extremely rare in the past. I I was telling somebody uh, a few years ago I had never seen a Hispanic beggar in chicago or anywhere else actually and i happened to be in austin texas and ran across one and and, by the way and uh, what one of the things that makes it puzzling is everybody knows there are such beggars in south america itself it's it's here that you didn't see them so um and that I'm a social scientist, so that raised the question, why, why is this? And there are a number of explanations. I'm not sure I fully understand it. may be that the Catholic Church does a better job with social services. It may be that the community uh, is helpful in other ways. It may be that there are norms here uh, that are different from those in another country. But when I was in Austin, Texas, I ran in to uh, one Hispanic beggar, and uh, I uh, went up and and talked with him and uh, asked him, "Was were there others in the city?" And he said, "There were a few, but not a lot." And this brings us uh, to—I think that's all changing because you're you have huge numbers of immigrants coming into the city, uh, and, and uh, they're poor, and uh, there are restrictions, at least initially. Uh, that prevent them from getting jobs. But um, that brings us to a couple of points about Brandon Johnson. A, he has no clue what to do. <laughs> yeah. uh, ticketing buses is is ludicrous. Uh, B, it's not his fault. I mean, this is a national problem. And Joe Biden is primarily responsible. And he was responsible because he dismantled every uh, program to staunch the flow of immigrants that Trump had uh, in place.
1: Will that cost him? Will that cost him? Or oh, they...
0: yeah. It's going to cost him big time because uh, people can really feel the impact. For example, uh, in, in all big cities except for, for Miami and Waco, Texas, I believe, are governed by Democrats, right, and uh, big cities in America. And um, all of them are now finding uh, their budgets really under pressure because of the need to provide additional services for these immigrants, and they don't have additional taxes from them to pay for those services. So in New York, that's led... Eric Adams, who apparently couldn't uh, uh, couldn't organize a two car funeral, according to my friends uh, who, who uh, know his administration, uh, it's led him to start cutting police and a lot of other vital services, uh, so they can uh, pay for these new obligations. They're blaming; they all blame um, Governor. Abbott, maybe Governor DeSantis.
1: It's those evil Republicans. Yeah.
0: Well, but those Republicans have done something that's politically very shrewd. Uh, in in Abbott's case, look, they're getting 10, 12,000 people a day. He may send every few days 200 right. to Chicago, and that overwhelms Chicago. And they say, oh, it's it's his fault. Look, if he didn't send any, they would eventually make it up here anyway. Well, but he's doing it in order to create political pressure on um, on the Biden administration.
1: I would be remiss, Professor, yep. if I didn't yep. ask you this other question. It's, it's sure. abrupt change of subject, but okay. I guess it's kind of related because we're talking immigration. Uh, Barack Obama did not want the immigrants on Martha's Vineyard. And they put put uh, some outrageous storyline together where yeah. we're moving you away, but we really like you. We, we love you. We yeah. love you. Please hug me, and then get the bleep out of here. <laughs> and all that involves, to me, I want to ask you about Claudine Gay, because, <laughs> because at, as a as a professor of political science for many years at the at the great University of Chicago, which I believe, is still one of the standard bearers of, you know, Veritas, unlike Harvard. Intellectual and, uh, curiosity. Yeah, an intellectual curiosity. Uh, what about this Claudine Gay situation where, I mean, how is she? I am
0: so glad you asked.
1: How is she even <laughs> teaching that with all these allegations and, and legitimate credible at allegations that she plagiarized papers, right? I mean, almost all of her stuff is plagiarized.
0: Well, you're talking to uh, somebody who has uh, a master's degree from Harvard and a PhD from Harvard, and I've taught there, and I've been a a fellow there, but I'm really a University of Chicago guy, okay? Yes. Uh, But I know a a thing or two about (laughs) Harvard, and I would also add that uh, Harvard, uh, a lot of these schools, they all have boards of trustees, but they call them different things. At Harvard, it's called the Board of Overseers. Do you know who's the head of that board, the one who picked Claudine Gay? Uh,
1: I think it's uh, a local it, it, politician. It
0: is a local politician. person, Penny Pritzker. <laughs> and her brother, um, people may have noticed, is the governor of Illinois, J.B. Pritzker.
1: Dun
2: dun and,
1: dun. meant yes. fatness. We spell that <laughs> in the academic circles. We spell that P H A T.
0: Well, in any event, um, it, first of all, you have to understand that gay has a relatively, for most universities, her academic qualification would be very good. But for Harvard, where it's extremely difficult to get tenure, they're very thin. But she got tenure anyway, and then she was, uh, I don't know if you'd call it promoted, but she was shifted from being a, a, a regular professor into being an administrator, and a very high level one in charge of the arts and sciences at Harvard. And then from there was promoted uh, to the presidency. Now, her record in, uh, before she was promoted, her record as an administrator, was she was all in on DEI and affirmative action and all that stuff. Of course, Harvard's been sued on all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, um and Sudan lost in the spring affirmative,
1: affirmative action, according to Harvard, doesn't apply to Asian students, right? Asian people don't. Asians need not apply.
0: No, it, it, yes, it's the exact opposite. They get whatever the opposite of affirmative action is. Right. It, it, you know, their numbers have stayed pretty steady at Harvard for, at 15% of the class for decades, and or at least more than a decade, and, you know, they're half the number of students at Berkeley where that's illegal. Now there are more Asian Americans in California. But, I mean, you know, uh, the the difference in SAT scores uh, for an Asian American to get in versus an African American to get in are
2: humongous.
0: I mean, they're just really striking.
1: Not even and, on the same scale, it's it's. Bizarre. So what, sh- what should Gay be fired? I think I would simplify this debate and say... <laughs> well, I would just she say, be kicked out and slept. She's going to want to... She's
0: uh, in about four or five months or three months or whatever. After this dies down, my hunch is that she'll want to spend more time with her cat. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, uh, but... The, the big fight, which is happening now, and Penny Pritzker is in a very awkward position, right? She's a major player in the Democratic Party, and the Democratic Party is very much, not only very much, committed to all this DEI stuff. They're they're very they they really need uh, African American votes to turn out in large numbers and to vote uniformly Democratic, and. Uh, If she and her brother uh, are are players in that, the last thing they're going to want to do is have the name Pritzker all over firing the first black president of Harvard. So it's a very awkward uh, situation. I think that the plagiarism, the problem is numbers, not the uh, numbers of times she's done it, how long she's done it. But most of the plagiarism incidents are not huge. They're enough to get you booted out or at least suspended or expelled for a semester or two if you were a student at Harvard. And uh, so that's a problem. How can they enforce anything yeah. uh, when they have a president like this? But universities in some ways are like any bureaucracy. The first rule of Fight Club is we don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> the first rule of bureaucracies is we don't want – any outside interference i mean nobody, look at how the sense. fbi look uh, we've, we've seen all these problems at the fbi and they've resisted internal reforms it, just as hard i as can smell
1: possible. them from here uh, right. Right. <laughs> right
0: and and so what you have at universities is they say well we don't want any outside interference with how we run the universities and i can both understand that as an academic and I can understand it as somebody who's thought about bureaucracies. But the problem is that universities have been unable to reform themselves. And so the pressure they're getting is coming uh, I would say, from large donors and especially from Jewish donors oh, who God. see the anti Semitism uh. and they just say, Look, it's my money. I don't there are plenty of places I can give it. I don't have to they give don't it know. to the University of Pennsylvania.
1: Professor, they don't know what a woman is. They can't tell you what a woman is, and they can't tell you that genocide of an entire people is wrong.
0: Well, they, <laughs> they can say that, um, well, they can't tell you what a woman is because, like, it was University of Pennsylvania that let Leah Thomas be on their swimming team. And this, right. I, you know, this is really strange to me. I'm just talking politically, and I'm interested in your views, uh, Johnny Jeff. Um, you would think that the pushback by feminists who fought so hard for women in athletics would have been much stronger, but it hasn't been. Why? Why do you think that is?
1: I think uh, maybe maybe some of them have uh, troubled transitional children at home i mean i'm just thinking of what it could be we i i have a column column this week from dr greg gansky former member of congress who's writing and uh he's writing It's at john cast news real clear politics he's writing about uh would you rather have a dead son or a live daughter oh god um well, that's that's, what, that's the choice that, that the left well, let
0: me be. Let me be clear uh, about my own position. I think if you're an yeah. adult, and there may be some debate whether that's 18 or 21, you should be able to decide for yourself on all of these. 100%. Right.
1: Absolutely.
0: And, but if you're a child, I think we, what we want, it, we want support for the child. But we don't want the child to take any actions that are extremely difficult to reverse later in life. And um, exactly. And then the other thing I would say is you want to step back and say, what is the rationale for having any women's athletic programs at all? Why is there women's golf and not just golf, right? And if you answer that question, I think you will end up convincing yourself that people who have systematically have uh, physical advantages probably shouldn't be competing in a sport that has in effect been uh, set aside for people who don't have those particular advantages in the same way that we have boxing. We don't put people in the hundred and thirty-five pound uh, weight class up against people in the two hundred and thirty-five pound weight class. You know, I mean, it just it's, it doesn't make any sense. You know, That's it's great. it's been a Brit, uh, actually J.K. Rowling, who right. has been one of the most um, vocal. And she has just been excoriated. Uh, uh, think about something like if if we wanted to give her some kind of an award at the University of Chicago, think of the pro- protests from the left-wing oh yeah, Right. I mean, she would just be – whereas if you wanted to give it to uh, somebody who was on the other side of the issue and equally vocal, there would be – Uh, no, almost no protest, no protest at all. Uh, So, you know, but what's, what's, I think the explanation is not at the personal level that you gave it, John. I think the the problem is that, first of all, uh, there are two problems. One is the asymmetry of the attacks, that if you got out, As a feminist against this, you would be subject to a lot of attacks. But I think the big reason is that if you've spent four decades positioning yourself as being on the left, it's really bad news to see yourself outflanked on the left.
2: Right. They get caught at the bottleneck of the intersectional highway and the crossroads
1: there. I I like
0: that, Jeff. You're a wordsmith, my friend.
1: (laughs) When I was a kid, there were lurid stories told in, in, in the classrooms about Japanese soldiers found on deserted Pacific islands still fighting World War II decades after the war ended, and they were sad and embittered and endangered. Deranged Yeah and They'd cut themselves off from the world And prosecuted their war alone I'm quoting myself here uh, But they lived furtively, like mole rats In caves Like some Gollum from a Tolkien story And then I heard I heard a tr- uh, a journalist mm-hmm. She's a British journalist I'm trying to find her
0: You know, uh, I, I, while you're looking for it Let me just say that Gollum uh, is actually a Hebrew.
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: I mean, it, and and that brings me to an interesting point, which is what's wonderful about our culture is that a very proud Greek, uh, child of Greek immigrants, who's a Greek Orthodox, would find no difficulty at all in using those terms because we borrow from each other. This idea of, that is so prevalent uh, in uh, on the left and on college campuses that every group has to be sort of have these walls around it. Uh, it it just divides us in a way that is uh, that that takes away what is so wonderful about America, which is that we borrow from each other. I had a <laughs> let me give you. A, I I once was walking by the St. Thomas Catholic Church in Hyde Park on a Sunday morning, and a black woman and a white woman walked out, and I heard one say, let's go over to Einstein Bagels. I want some lox and bagels. And I thought, I love America.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because she had a taste for it. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and, 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 and I look, and I go to I I um uh, I have the Greek lemon soup all the time <laughs> and I have it at a a good Greek restaurant. Well
1: here look, this is the idea with with Greeks and Jews. Some say uh we're a separate people, others say we're kind of like Greeks are the Gentile Jews, and I say there cannot be Christianity. Unless there were Greeks and Jews together, the well, That's right.
0: Well, you know the famous phrase: "What has Athens to do with Jerusalem?" And uh, that, uh, and the answer to that is is exactly what you're
1: saying. Right. There can be no Christianity there. Well,
0: there there can. Well, look, there can't be Western civilization without our inheritance from. Socrates and Plato and Aristotle, but also Aeschylus and also Archimedes. Archimedes. Yeah, yeah. And Archimedes. Exactly, there's our science teacher. There
1: uh, Helen Joyce is the is the Irish journalist that oh, I was referring huh. to. And-
0: The only Joyce that's not a a Chicago politician.
1: (laughs) Jeremiah.
2: Right.
0: (laughs) Great to talk with you guys. You too, Charles.
2: Happy New Year to you. I would say this. I will
0: say this. Uh. Uh, If what we want to focus on are the problems that Mayor Brandon Johnson has brought to Chicago, it's like people who specialize in Middle East troubles. You will always have a job.
1: (laughs) For Charles Lipson, our friend, the professor emeritus, the Ritzma professor emeritus at the University of Chicago. For Jeff Carlin, who loves Archimedes and will be a science teacher, physics teacher, executive producer now at WGN News. And me, John Cass, executive director of your favorite website for common sense, com. And where are you? You're with us on the Chicago Way Podcast on WGN+.